Welcome into episode 77 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan, dressed in bright blue, and Jamie Eisner, who always has a bright smile on his face. I'm Luke Lipinski. I don't think that's bright blue. I think that's just regular, everyday, normal blue. Oh, that feels kind of bright. Yeah? I, I think it's just Craig's personality. Not, well, okay. Brighter than, than we normally go along with that. see Craig wearing. Usually he wears like... It doesn't really feel bright to me, but... Green. It's bright. Okay. Yeah, th- those of you who haven't seen Craig in person, he- he's very emo. Everything he black wears. Black eyeliner, yeah. he wears just like those, th- right. those black shirts, black jeans with a chain. Yeah. <laughs> he secretly wants the Eric Carlson wig. because Sometimes I wear gold lame. <laughs> gold lame sounds like a hockey player from the 60s. Like, oh, yeah, the Canadians wouldn't have won all those cups if it wasn't for gold lame. All right, so episode 77, obviously, is the Ray Bork episode of the podcast, correct? Yeah, that'll work. All right. I was a, a little nervous. When we start this off, you're always a little nervous when we start this off. True. Your shirt is—it's uh, Tampa Bay Lightning colors. Will you give me that? Oh, this—this is, this is your attempt at a segue, Don't isn't call it? it an attempt. This is your attempt at a segue. It's absolutely a segue. Pretty much is Tampa Bay blue, so I will give you that. All right. Well, Tampa Bay is probably going to miss the playoffs, so a lot has changed in the last week. When we all thought the Lightning were going to make it, I still think they're going to be the best team to miss the playoffs at this point, but they are running out of time quickly, and I believe they're starting Peter Budai in a game tonight they basically have to have against Boston. To me, this all started when they lost a home game to Toronto. That, that shocked me, and then they, they haven't played well, obviously, since then, but Toronto has on the flip side, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But yeah, this, this is the biggest surprise to me with the way that they were coming on. I thought that this team had the head of steam it needed, and it was going to get into the playoffs and create a great first-round matchup with whoever won the Metropolitan Division, which is clearly still up in the air. Yeah, three teams in the Metro over 100 points right now, and uh, <laughs> nobody's wrapped anything up. In fact, Washington has 102, Columbus has 100. They play each other tonight with Pittsburgh just sitting between them with 101. So four teams in the NHL over 100 points, three of them in the same division. But back to Tampa, right now they're 5 back of Boston. It's not even Toronto anymore. It's Boston for the uh, the second wild card. They have a game in hand. They play the Bruins tonight. So by the time you hear this, Tampa might really be out. If they lose that game in regulation tonight, that's it. You can't make up a seven-point deficit without the tiebreaker playing the way they're playing. If they win tonight, you know, things get interesting again. But now you start to get to the bigger picture of LA's already out in the West. Tampa's on the verge of being out in the East. These are two teams that I think almost everybody probably had in their their final 16, at least, when the season started. Or the finals. <laughs> I don't, nobody had L.A. in the finals. I mean, no, yeah, not L.A., but, but uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, maybe, a, maybe a couple of us on this podcast had Tampa Bay in the final. I can't remember who. Oops. It's not important, I guess. No, it's really not. <laughs> it's okay. No, I, I don't live in the past. You can make fun of me for having Washington in the final in a month when they're out somehow in the first round. <laughs> Oh, look, Tampa Bay, this, how much of this is the simple fact, and we've, we've discussed this on the show before in relation to other teams, but how much of it is the simple fact that there's some attrition that takes its toll on you when you're making deep runs year after year? You know, Craig, like you said, there's, there's some team like San Jose made that deep run last year, and they haven't made one in a while before that. Tampa Bay, the last two years, once one, one year they go to the Cup, and then the second year they get within a goal of going back to the Cup. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals. That's seven playoff series in two years. And now everybody on the team's hurt. Any sort of coincidence there, or is it just sort of guys wearing down? Possibly. I, I, don't, I don't know how to make that tie. I, I do think there's something to attrition. I, I think it wears on teams, and maybe having a, a long summer is good for teams. You know, we've talked about this with the Chicago Blackhawks in the past. 
But, yeah, not having Steven Stamkos. Look, they, they did a great job the last time they had to go through this of weathering that storm, but you take a really good player out of the lineup, it's probably going to impact you over the course of a season, and we're probably seeing that right now. And like you mentioned, they have other injuries as well. Yeah, I mean, the injury bug has really bitten Tampa Bay pretty hard. Now, I know you're not getting any sympathy from Luke over there as a, as a Pittsburgh Penguins supporter. To another team in the Eastern Conference has been bit by the injury bug a little bit, but it's been a problem for them, and it's beyond Stamkos. They've, they've had injuries throughout the season, whether it's to, to Pilat or Johnson. It, it, that team is in, has a lot of depth, but when they're all getting hurt, especially down the middle, I mean, that, that, if that's a four- or five-point difference over the course of a season, and you're talking about whether or not you're, you're a wild-card team or maybe the third team in the, the Atlantic versus watching from home. They will get some sympathy from me, though, just because of the simple fact that, it, like, it's, it's, it's an entertaining story right now as we head towards the, the playoffs starting to talk about pretty good teams that are going to miss out. But at the end of the day, Tampa Bay is definitely one of the 16 best teams when they're healthy. They might be one of the four or five best teams when they're healthy, so I'd kind of like to see them in there just to uh, to give us the best possible playoff uh, you could have. But Would you like to see them in there if the Penguins win the Metro? Yeah, it's fine. I, <laughs> just asking. I mean, everybody in there right now, like if the Penguins won the Metro and they played Boston in the first round, I wouldn't feel great about that either because Boston matches up well against the Penguins, so... I just, I don't know, Tampa Bay, I think they'll be back next year unless they do something silly in the offseason. Steve Eiserman doesn't do silly things. No. So. Okay. And <laughs> That's true. Tampa Those two, silly and Steve Eiserman are rarely used in the same sentence. True. And, and Tampa Bay did not get the season out of their goaltenders they were probably hoping for either. And I think that that's the underlying factor, that Ben Bishop wasn't great this year. Vasilevsky wasn't the player that thought he was. And like you said, they're starting Peter Budai in a game that they must win. And you know what? That's the right choice. Yeah, Vasilevsky hasn't been great lately at all, and that that's a concern because that's going forward. You're starting goalie. What if Tampa gets the better end of that trade? Because <laughs> <laughs> they can run Peter Budai out. Bow down to Steve Eiserman yet again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's flip it over to the team they made that trade with, the L.A. Kings. Dead. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much declared them out of it last so week, and, and they just keep losing we don't need to go into a whole lot of depth on them because we were talking about last week how much trouble they're in going forward. But, I mean, where, where do you see this team a year from now? Like, do you see them back in the playoffs? Or, nope, or nope. Are they? I see them where they are right now. Just They're sort trapped of... in no man's land. I don't think they're going to bottom out. They can't because of the players they have on that roster, but they're not a playoff team, and they're certainly not a cup contender. It's not a good place to be. They're, 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 in the, they're in purgatory. This is the worst spot you can be in. Mm-hmm. Just outside of the playoff picture, but not, not with a lot of young guys, with a lot of bad contracts. This is the, At least Dustin Brown will be around for the next decade. Oh, yes. Dustin Brown will survive, like, nuclear war with that contract. Cockroach? Yes. I was like, well, you know, your word's not mine. Coyotes fans might like that. <laughs> Didn't the Kings make that reference when they won the Cup that one year? Wasn't it uh, Alec Martinez? That said, we're like cockroaches, we don't go away. And then that's right, we're just quoting Alec Martinez. Yeah. Yes. Was, wasn't our own take. You guys are quoting him. I, I stayed out of that one. But uh, no, I mean, LA 75 points, Winnipeg 73 points. I'd rather be Winnipeg. I wouldn't we're, rather live in Winnipeg, but I'd rather be Winnipeg. See, now there you go. There you, well, okay. see, Winni- Winnipeg just makes me sad. I, I was looking, I was the looking, city or the team? Yeah, that seems even worse well, than what the I The city said. just is sad. Okay, well, the team we makes I just me said sad. it wasn't no. the city of LA. Uh, the, the team makes me sad because I, I look at the top of that team. I look at Line A, I look at Wheeler, I look at Shifley, I look at Nikolai Ehlers, who was Luke and I's like, favorite little pet project last year for Rookie of the Year, and then we kind of forgot about him this year, and he has 60-plus points. And I think, wow, how is that team so bad? 
And then I get down to the goaltender category and go, yep, that's why that team is so Yeah, bad. but what happened to Connor Hellebuck, who was great? He's good for a cup of coffee. Also, uh, too, the variance with young goalies, I mean, I mean, look at Mrazek in Detroit right now, where we thought, oh, but that's the goalie of the future, and now people are going, eh, maybe not. But it's, again, Hellebuck was good for, what, 30 games? Oh, he was great in the World Championships. Well, that's not the NHL, is it? Games. No, apparently it's not. Look, I, I would. The point was, I'd rather be the Jets than the Kings right now because at least the Jets should be trending upward. I, I don't fully understand how, with the offensive production they have, they're not at least still in the playoff race right now with a couple weeks left. But a lot of it's goaltending, so they should trade for Marc Andre Fleury. <laughs> Craig, wow. I'm just solving problems over here. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. No ulterior motives whatsoever. I, I will make this case right now. If the if the Winnipeg Jets go out and trade for Marc Andre Fleury, they will make the playoffs next year. Okay. I can't make any guarantees after they get into the playoffs, but they will make the playoffs. All right. This was brought up by uh, by you, Craig, when we walked in. John Tavares. Oh my. Possibly available down the yeah, line. Yeah, you, you hear what uh, Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager are saying about this situation. How. If the, those contract talks don't go well, there is a trade scenario. No, nobody's saying that's definitely going to happen at this point, but it's being floated. And those guys don't float things. No, they don't. And Especially Bob McKenzie. Bob McKenzie doesn't float stuff unless he's got good information, good intel. And what a, what a game changer that could be for, you know, a certain franchise that needs a franchise center. Well, any franchise that would be a yeah. game changer for, but yes. Yeah, I had one in mind, but yeah, just one in particular. I think possibly. we're all thinking of the same one. But um, the reason that that's sort of. save the Kings that got it. Uh, that better not happen. They, they, with what cap space? No. It's the Islanders. You never could you completely rule out some sort of Dustin Brown for John Tavares trade? You, just, you can never completely rule anything out. I don't, I don't know. We're, I'm, just, I'm just very curious to see how Dustin Brown's contract gets voided in a couple of years. I'm just very creative <laughs> about how this is going to happen. You don't think Dust, Dustin Brown could do a good job shepherding the lack of young talent that the Islanders have? <laughs> He's a perfect fit for that. Uh, the reason that this sort of struck me, other than the fact that I think John Tavares is one of the best players in the NHL that just kind of gets overlooked partially because of the team he plays on, is this is something that the three of us talked about, I don't know, two, three, four months ago. Of John Tavares took less money to play for the Islanders. He's making $5.5 million a year. He's an unrestricted free agent after next season. You would assume that the Islanders would learn from the mistakes of teams that have let franchise centers go in the past, and they would not let him go. Man, if they somehow did. Think about the teams that, that he could help. I mean, let's just let's let's look at the local team, obviously. If 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 the Coyotes were somehow able to add John Tavares, like Craig said, that's a game changer. But yeah, really any team. Any team. Speeds along that rebuilding process a, a wee bit. Well look what a number one center did for Toronto at Edmonton within basically a year. Yeah, again, and we'll get to that in a minute, especially with Toronto right now. But that's one of the two. We've talked about this. We like what's happening on the wings, you know, especially you, know, you get Toby Reeder maybe making the shift to the right side and being effective there. Christian Fisher coming up. You like what's happening on your wings. You like the left side of your defense, at least. Now, you'd have to give up some of these pieces in order to land at John Tavares, but yeah. if you can get a number one center, I think you and I were just saying off mic, the only player that's untouchable is OEL. I think Anything else they scenario. want, yep, that's, that's in play. And... There's a, like you said, I mean, 
I think if you're the Coyotes, you love your left wings and your left defense. You like your right wings. You don't hate your right defense, but you, you're missing something on yes. the right defense. <laughs> a top pairing guy. Something. Yeah, but your you're two and three are, are fine down that side. And your centers, I think, if, if things go well, you, you probably like your two, three, and four, but you're obviously missing the biggest piece. And yep. John Tavares isn't a guy that's been in the league for two years, and there's questions if he's a number one center and can he raise a team. He is a great player who raised the Islanders for a couple of years there. He got hurt during the Olympics. He's 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 a heart heart trophy finalist. What three years ago? Yeah. And by the way, the Islanders are still in the playoff race in the oh, East against it. all odds. I mean, we're just talking about Tampa Bay falling out of it. The Islanders, the Islanders just beat the Rangers, and they're within shouting distance of the playoffs themselves. Two points behind Boston right now. He's a big reason why. They're getting production from Andrew Ladd finally now. He's, he's doing something. But John Tavares, yeah, he's, he's a very good player. How about, now, if you guys want to have your franchise center argument again, you want to no, revive I'm, that, I'm go firm, for it. Firmly I'll, in the corner I'll just that, watch. that John Tavares is a franchise okay. center. Okay. He's just not on the right franchise right now. True. But I wasn't the big one against him, more so saying he's in that second tier down. He's yeah. not a top tier franchise center, which, again, I, that's, that's not... A bad thing. That's fine. You can live with that. There's so many. You can live with that. You can win with that. Yes. Well, if you have other key pieces. Yeah. And I think the difference maybe between me and Jamie on this one is I think he has top tier franchise center upside. You just you need to put him in a situation that's. It's fair. It'd be it'd be interesting to see him in a situation where he had guys around him that would take some of the pressure off him, some of the attention away from him. I'd be curious to see what he could accomplish in that situation. You know, Jonathan Taves and Sidney Crosby play with uh, grocery bags on their wings and, yes. and are elite centers. So, this is also again, true. we're splitting hairs when you're at the very top here saying somebody is very good versus elite. I mean, yep. we're, we're splitting hairs. But, again, he would be a welcome addition to every other team in the National Hockey League. Absolutely. And, Craig, to your point, yes, the Islanders are still very much in How many teams do you think at the moment are still in it? Are we down to just 17? Are we, are we saying Tampa Bay is still technically hanging around are they 18 i think you have to leave them in for right now and they're yeah exactly (laughs) after tonight's game let's talk again if they lose at boston you look at the deficit and the way toronto's playing right now yeah i'd I'd probably knock them out and say yeah we're down to 17 teams but right now yeah i'm still keeping tampa bay in it i don't think they're going to make it and you have to keep the islanders in it we know the eight in the west that's that's done that's done there's there's no way i mean what nashville's eight points ahead of la and la seems to I don't know what L.A. is doing. They're going in the wrong direction, and they're already out. But, yeah, we, we know the eight in the West. We know there's still at least nine, maybe ten left in the East. But you brought up Toronto. We did this show last week. They had just come off that 7-2 drubbing at the hands of the Florida Panthers. And they proceeded to go out and hammer Tampa Bay the night that we did this show. So that made us look like geniuses instantly. And they haven't looked back. No. Yeah, there's 6-1-1 one one in their last eight, and that's... That's surprising to me because I, I, I looked at that team after the game you talked about and thought, okay, other teams are turning it up right now. This is playoff time, and this team doesn't know what to do at this time of year yet. Here they are now, again, 6-1-1 one, one in their last eight, 8-3-4 eight, in their last 15, wins at Tampa over Boston and at Columbus. Yeah. Those are impressive wins. That, as, I, as I told James Myrtle, who's going to join us shortly from the Athletic Toronto, that was a big boy win against the Columbus Blue Jackets yeah, last night. Yeah. That, that really said to me, okay, this team might be ready a lot sooner than I thought they would be. And now imagine if they could win a shootout where they would be. They're 1-8. Yeah, it is crazy, shootout. right? You, I mean, you, if they're, if they're, again, if that's 500, 
they're they're in really good spot. And we're talking about maybe they're going to push for that two spot. Yeah, he might win the division at that point. <laughs> How about the last four though? Since we did this last show, five nothing over Tampa in Tampa, two one overtime loss to Chicago, four two win over Boston, and a five two win in Columbus over the Blue Jackets. So all the teams around them in the playoffs, and then Columbus just for fun. All right, I believe we're joined now. We got we have uh, James Myrtle the. Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic Toronto joining us now. I think he can give us a little more perspective on the Maple Leafs than we can. So, uh, James, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me in. What's, uh, what's, it, what's it like in that city right now with this team not just winning games but beating all the teams they have to beat? Uh, I think people are kind of in disbelief a little bit, if that makes sense. You know, I think people thought maybe it was going to be a harder road uh, for the Leafs than it has been. Their schedule the, over their last... 12, 14 games of the season. They've only got 10 left, but the last, I guess, 14 games was really tough. You know, it was not only just jammed together with a ton of games, there were a lot of really good teams. And the Florida trip was bad in the sense that, well, I mean, obviously they lost 7 2 in the game last week, and people were worried that they were coming unglued a little bit. But um, the fact that they've gone and they've, they've beaten Boston and they've beaten Tampa. Uh, they took Chicago to overtime, got a point there, and then they beat Columbus last night. They put them themselves in really, really good position, and um, I think fans are fans are, are are starting to get a little bit more optimistic that that maybe it might actually happen for the for the team. James, I don't want to jump to conclusions and say that this team is ahead of schedule. I think we that that seems to be a media narrative or a fan narrative more than it is with with teams. But what, what's the internal sense? Do you do you think that this team? is actually ahead of where they thought it'd be within the organization itself. Yeah, and, you know, Brendan Shanahan and Lou Lamorello and, like, Babcock, they all say the same thing. I mean, I think that they thought that this was going to be a learning year and that there was going to be a slow progression to get to the point where they were going to be a playoff team. What's happened is that they've brought in seven rookies that have been on the roster all season, and they've all been good. They've all outperformed what expectations were. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and I mean they've all had fantastic seasons. They, those three have had some of the best seasons by a Leafs rookie in franchise history in a hundred years of franchise history. I mean it's it's been pretty remarkable. So you add that kind of offensive talent into the defensive structure that Mike Babcock had, and then you add a number one goalie in uh, Frederick Anderson who's been uh, a little bit all over the place, but for the most part at least average or better. And uh, that's the recipe for a, a, a team that's on the low end of, of making the playoffs, and that's where they are right now. And, James, this is something we talked about just before you came on, but how important are wins this time of year when all the other teams around the NHL are kind of in the playoff mode and Toronto is having to play big games against big teams? Yeah, well, that's what Mike Babcock said a lot, is that you know they've got one of the five youngest teams in the league, even after adding you know Brian Boyle and Eric Fair and, uh, around the trade deadline. With such a young team, you know, it's you're kind of throwing them into the fire right away and seeing what they've got and seeing, you know, it, it, it gets them to kind of learn what the pressure is like um, because, you know, what they want is they want the Leafs to be a, a championship team within, you know, two or four years. And, you know, they look at the way that, that teams like uh, Pittsburgh and, and Chicago went through that where their young players had long runs. You know, the Blackhawks had that run in, in 2009 to the third round, and they lost to the Red Wings, and then they win the Cup the next year. Pittsburgh has that run where they lose to the Red Wings in the Stanley Cup final in uh, in uh, 09, and uh, and then the, the, the Penguins go on and, and win the Cup um, one of those years. So, 
you know, that's that's kind of what the blueprint is here that they're hoping that players can surprise some teams, that players can be ahead of schedule, that they can rise to the challenge of these tough games. And this is really their the last, you know, month, month and a half of this season where they're on that playoff line and they're they're battling against some of the best teams in the league. This is their first taste of, of what it's like to play in these games. James, is there a sense that this is sustainable? I guess just if you look at Calgary a couple of years ago, they were kind of ahead of schedule and then took a step back last year. Is there a sense that with this group, they everything they're doing this year is sort of building towards the future still? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is sustainable. You know, it's with a team like Calgary. I mean, we would look at at their analytics, at how well they control play, and at their special teams, and at what was happening with their goaltending. And there were things we could pick out and say, you know what, this team's not not there. They they got kind of fortunate. With the Leafs, you can even argue that they've been unfortunate this year. They've lost eight shootouts. You know, they lead the league in that category. They're one and eight in the shootout, and the shootout is is pretty much a crapshoot. If they would would have won half their shootouts, we wouldn't be talking about will they get in or will won't they get in. We would they would be in, and the question would be, are they going to get home ice advantage in the first round or not? So, there's things like that in their record that, and they've lost a lot of one goal games. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure they lead the league in overtime loss points as well. So. And they're on pace for one of the highest totals ever in, in overtime loss points. So the goal next year, I think, would be to start converting some of those one-goal games that they've been losing into wins, and then they can take another step forward. So, no, I do I do think it's sustainable. I think that um, the other thing, too, is they got lots of cap space next year, so they can make a, a big addition as well. So there's, there's a lot of positives in, in what's happened this year, whether they, they make it or not. You mentioned the Florida loss. What was what was the talk after that game? What was what was the discussion both within the locker room, within within the organization? How how are they reacting to that, and how have they been able to turn this around? I know that's a multi pronged answer, but just get your thoughts on on that. They were there was a lot of concern, you know, and the thing is that that loss came on the heels of they had a California trip uh, a week and a half before that where they didn't win a game. And there was concern there. They did not play well against San Jose. They did not play well against Anaheim. And really, I think there was a stretch there. They had won seven or eight of 22 games going back to the All-Star break. So it wasn't just one game being out of place. It was a pretty long stretch where they had lost 13 or 14 of, of 22. And the players were concerned. So the way that they responded to that was really interesting. They had some team meetings. They had some player meetings. And they said, it's time to get serious. It's time to really dig in. And this is our chance to kind of decide what we're going to be. You know, we've got a great opportunity here to, to make the playoffs. We just need to dig in and listen to the coaching staff and be the best version of what we can be. And I think that Mike Babcock did a really good job as well. I mean, he, he shuffled some things around. He changed his defensive pairings. He took Austin Matthews out of the really tough uh, defensive situations. He took Morgan Riley out of some of those tough defensive situations, and both of those players are obviously a big part of the success that they've had this year, but they've been better the last three or four games, and I think that that's part of why they've been winning games. James, we had you on in the summer. We were talking about how, how the expectations might you know, grow for this team, and you said people might even be sort of hedging their bets with Austin Matthews till they saw him play, and then he went out and scored four goals in his first game. But is there a moment this season where you, you kind of noticed it was tangible that expectations around that city changed? I still don't know. I mean, he's, he's, he's struggled for about eight to ten games. Um, but before that, 
I don't know that he was really getting his due for how good. I mean, at one point in the season, he was on pace for 42 or 43 goals. Uh, there was some talk that potentially he could win the Rocket Richard Trophy as a rookie. You know, it's he's fallen off a little bit, and I think that part of that is either an injury or just fatigue because he's never played a season this long and this grueling. The, especially the end of the league season has been all the games have just been packed together. They have something like 14 games in the last 23 days of the season. So, you know, they're playing four, more than four games a week, basically, to close the year. And I think it's it's been hard on some of the young guys that have never done that before. But, I mean, to generally answer your question, I think people realize that Austin Matthews is really, really good. Um, I think there's a lot more there. And I think that when he has a summer uh, of training, when he gets ready for the long, grueling season, when he starts to make a progression forward, I mean, he's going to finish this year with 37 or 38 goals in his rookie year. And I think there's a lot more there. So that just speaks to how high... I am on him. I think he can be a 50-goal guy at some point. I think he can be a dominant two-way center, and I think he can be a franchise player for this team. So it's all good signs, other than the last, whatever, eight to ten games where he hasn't played well, all really good signs for the future of, of Austin Matthews. James, I know they still need to get in, but one playoff berth, I think, in the last 11 seasons, not sure how sustainable they thought anything was after the the one playoff berth uh, when they lost to Boston in the first round, or... Yeah, in the quarterfinals. But what if you could rate the sense of anticipation in the city right now heading to the postseason, what would it be like? Uh, like I said, I think people are kind of in disbelief a little bit. You know, no one expected this this year. So the fans, I don't think, are going to really celebrate until they've clinched that playoff berth. So this is a fan base that has been burned basically almost every year. I, I went through in my piece that I wrote last night, after the game, just the last five seasons, they have collapsed at the end of every single year. It has been complete heartbreak. You know, they've had years where they've been third in the East or 11th in the whole league uh, late in the year with a month to go, and then they've just lost almost every single game that remained in the season. So no one here is celebrating in terms of the fan base. Nobody is. You know, they're happy that the young players are really good, and they're happy that they've had a good season. But in terms of making the playoffs and in terms of who they're going to play and all that, most of what I'm hearing from the fans is, Stop talking about that because we don't, we don't, you know, it's a, there's a lot of skittish people in the Leafs fan base. So it's going to take this team closing out the year with confidence and by winning and continuing to beat good teams, I think, for them to, to win back some of their fans. And that's part of what I think with the excitement level around Austin Matthews probably isn't as high as it should be just because of how bad the last few years have been for this team. And not, not just the last few years. I mean, they've made the playoffs once since 2004. They've made the playoffs three times since I've lived in the city. I've lived in the city 15 years. They've made this, the playoffs three times, and most of those were back when I first got here. It's It's been a long drought, and it's been a lot of awful, awful hockey, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take them years, really, to win all of the fans back to where they believe that this Leafs team is something different than what they've been the last decade. James, great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time, man. Enjoy this uh, this stretch run and, and potentially a playoff run, okay? Okay, thanks for having me. Right. Thanks, James. That's James Myrtle of The Athletic Toronto. You can find him on Twitter, at Myrtle, M-I-R-T-L-E. Check out The Athletic Toronto. That's, that's, a, pretty, uh, that's a pretty cool news site. So if you want some, some good reporting, it's not even just on the Maple Leafs. It's on just Toronto sports in general, but uh, certainly the Maple Leafs are the focus. So good stuff there from, from James Myrtle looking at a Leafs team that is, has quickly become one of the very top stories in the NHL this year. And one of the questions I was going to ask him, I know he's, he's busy, so we didn't get to it, but Nazem Kadri has 30 goals this year. Mm. He's become one of the better defensive forwards in the NHL. 
that's a big reason why they're winning. Everybody looks at Austin Matthews, and they should. And certainly, you know, Willie Nylander and Mitch Marner are huge, and all those rookies that are producing. And Frederick Anderson's a big deal. But you have Nazem Kadri quietly playing up to the expectations that made him such a high draft pick a couple years ago. That's helping. Yeah, and that's where you, where you see the value of having players around good players. Uh, you know, when you have depth, it, it, do, it does more than give you more lines to roll at teams. It helps the players on those other lines because they face less pressure to perform. They're facing less attention to perform, but a lot of good reasons. A lot of reasons why Toronto is having success right now. As he mentioned, the goaltending has been terrific. I think, still think they could shore up their blue line. They probably will, but when you talk about anticipation for a franchise... This city, I, I hear what he's saying, and I hear that they're skittish. And, you know, when you're, when you're in a mecca like that, a hockey mecca like that, I, I do. I get it. But well, when you look like at how this team is constructed. Hockey, right? yeah. Isn't that kind of what it's like? It's, I, mean, I, I know it's not 90 or 100, whatever years was, but it's, it's, they are the equivalents in hockey of the Chicago Cup. Yeah, probably. <laughs> they, well, they have the longest streak, don't they now? Yeah, and so. I mean, it's such a big deal there. It, it really, yeah, it's, it is the sport without question. It's, nothing's even close there. So when you're talking about only making the playoffs once, as he mentioned, since 2004, because he had the lockout the following year, but they made it once. They lost in the first round of Boston. They haven't done anything in so long. But as I have said repeatedly, it's so good for the NHL to have the Toronto Maple Leafs relevant. I, am, I, I like this story a lot, and I'll be following this story, as, as many will, of course. But this one, this one resonates with me. I, I like the story more after I hear him say stuff like that, that the fan base is still sort of not expecting the worst, but still sort of hedging their emotions. I like that more. There's going to be a point when Toronto's making deep runs every year and we're going to be sick of Maple Leafs fans because they're going to act like there's only one team in the NHL, but they're not <laughs> there yet. So this is still an enjoyable story. Also, I like how you just glazed over. They've made the playoffs once since 2004 and they lost to Boston. No, they lost in the most dramatic, heart-ripping fashion yeah. ever to Boston in Game 7. Were they up like 4-1 in the third period and lost that game? Well, there's that. Yeah, kind of a big deal. Uh, it's, they are a fun story. They're a fun team to watch. You know, they, we talk about this usually when we do the team previews in the offseason of you know, who's the team you could see yourself checking in on, on the NHL center ice package if your favorite team's not playing. Toronto's got to be towards the top of that list at this point, if not at the top of the list. No doubt. And you bring up the Cub parallel. It makes me remember watching... Even watching the World Series after they had come back, after they were winning the final game, and well, we all know what happened in that final game where they, where Joe Madden almost gave it away. Yeah, the the entire time that was playing out, I never felt comfortable. Never felt like they were going to win the World Series. Have I ever told you my my Cubs game seven story? No, I don't remember the exact logistics. I'm sure you do, but they were up considerably. Were they up like six one in that game? I think it was six one at okay. some point, and then they made it six three, and then yeah. I went and played hockey when it was six to one. And at some point, the guy keeping score comes over to the loudspeaker, and he's like, it's 6-6 in the eighth inning. And we all thought he was just screwing with us because there's no TVs, obviously, when you're on the ice. So we thought he was just playing around. And Anyway, yes, it's, it's not exactly the same, but I remember people talking around town that aren't even necessarily hockey fans trying to come up with what's the next Cubs after the Cubs won the World Series the next day. And everybody universally came up with the New York – or the uh, not the New York Knicks – the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, New York Knicks aren't anywhere close to no, winning an NBA no. title. It's, uh, it's yeah, I'd go with the Leafs. The yeah. So, I don't know. It, it segues interestingly enough into the uh, the next talking point here. Who's winning a cup first between Toronto or Edmonton? I mean, look at it right now, and as as I said to you, a lot can change here over the next few years. You just don't know how things are going to play out with injuries, with free agency, with drafts, etc. But 
with the way Toronto's trending right now, I like their chances a whole lot better than I like Edmonton's. And it's funny when you look at all the high draft picks that Edmonton has had, they're still in this situation where it feels like they have significant holes on that roster that they haven't filled. Toronto now, you're thinking, tweak that blue line and... They're just more quality pieces in quantity on Toronto than there are on Edmonton. Edmonton might have the best player of the bunch, but everything else about it leans in Toronto's favor. Yeah, you watch Edmonton some nights, they look like a two-man team. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, so they are obviously more than a two-man team, but there are nights when it just looks like Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl out there. And as James Myrtle just told us, too, or just reminded us, Toronto's got cap space. And how many consecutive off-seasons did we hear anytime there's a big-name free agent, oh, they're going to go to Toronto because everybody wants to go play in Toronto. And the Maple Leafs were terrible all those years. Now they're a playoff team. What if they win around? And Kevin Shattenkirk yeah. thinks, huh, you know, yeah, not, maybe not I don't want to go, go to New York. If the Rangers bow out in the first round and Toronto's on this crazy up curve, just throwing it out there. That's a better position to be in than Steven Stamkos last year or any sure. of these guys the last couple of years because now you're going, you don't have to be the man. They're on the way up either way. Evaluate those two teams. If you're Kevin Shattenkirk, all things being equal, if, you, you, if it's not simply about living in Manhattan, Nice plus, which, but all, so also is living in Toronto. Toronto's a great city, too, <laughs> yeah. to live in, yeah. yeah. Which, which of those teams do you pick? For me, it's an easy decision. If you're just going roster, if you're taking everything else out. I feel like the Rangers, you know, they're a good team. They're just, I feel like they're just going to keep spinning their wheels. I, I still don't take them seriously as a cup contender. Probably give them the best chance to win a cup next season, but Toronto gives them the best chance to win a cup, period, because there's just a longer window there and so much more talent. I'm not sure I'd want to go into the Metro either if I had my choice. I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't make my decision, but it would certainly be a factor at the very end if there was two or three teams close. That's a good point. Toronto could yeah. own the Atlantic within a year. They, they could own the Atlantic 12 months from now. Yeah, they, we're yeah. Talking. they probably might be my pick yeah. to do that. I just don't believe in Montreal that much. Whereas the Rangers, they're not. <laughs> the or, Rangers are going to finish with points this year. Not. Oh, yeah, point exactly. And, and, I mean, even though Metro is going to be a little bit easier next year without Matt Murray. Uh, it's still going right. to be a... Uh, <laughs> Calm down over there. Wow. I can't see Jamie's face because there's a camera right in front Shots of him, but I, I can just see his two arms waving frantically He's laughing. The show. I see him laughing. I can he, tell you that. He's wearing an Ottawa Senator's colored shirt. See, here you go again. It's Are you like, going to call it bright, too? No, that's yeah, anything far but bright. from bright. That, it's like wait, faded. That, wait, what are, you talk, what are we talking about here? Not the gray. What's the other color? It's like a How would you describe that? Go ahead. I'm going to let you do it rather than yeah, me like it's like a, casting shade on you. I don't even know. It it's looks like it's not red. It's like some maroon. Like no, it's, not, it's, not, it's too light to be maroon. It looks It looks like mauve, maybe? Could it be looks, mauve. I think like it could mauve. be mauve. Sorry, okay, know. that could be mauve and gray. Yeah. That's not bright, but this is bright. Anyway, okay. it looks like Jamie's wearing a throwback Ottawa Senators jersey, but it's actually the original from like 1915 <laughs> or something. Can we just backtrack for one moment? I know it was the St. Pat's jerseys, but wow, what Toronto wore on St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> or the day after St. Patrick's Day against the Blackhawks. Those were pretty aggressive. Those look like something you could buy off the rack at Walmart. Man, Those jerseys yeah. were horrible. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Horrible. You don't yeah. usually see NHL teams wear yeah. different colors. Go to Bill Walton here. Just terrible. Are you going to go Charles Barkley? Just now? horrible. <laughs> All right, I'm can you done. do the whole show in Bill Walton's <laughs> voice, please? All right, but no, okay. So Toronto, Edmonton. We all agree that Toronto is is further ahead than Edmonton here. Yes. Yep. Okay, because I mean Edmonton's in the Pacific. That one's. Potentially pretty wide open here, depending what the Sharks do with Thornton and Marlowe, too. You did get a second-pairing right-handed defenseman. You got that spot locked down now. 
So and all you had to do was give up Taylor Hall. Maybe trade Leon Dreisaitl for maybe like a third pairing defenseman. Or a, you know somebody on the left side for that second pairing. You'd have your second pairing solidified. That's true. You would have that locked up with former top picks. Um, can can we get into the MVP race? Sure. I feel like it's easier to talk about this than write about this because if I write about it, which Craig and I both did over the weekend, I was gonna say. <laughs> It, it sounds like we are bashing Connor McDavid, which I know I'm not, and I don't think you are either. But I looked at both sides of this. He's he's not the MVP now. Personally, I, I felt mine was balanced, Jamie. I don't know about you, but <laughs> well, if, if it helps, I started writing mine and then realized you had written yours, so I went and read yours. I was like, I got to change mine mid mid story, so it's not <laughs> the same format. Uh, and I actually left out something I really wanted to say in there, but. Look, we did this. I listened to our, our previous episode on the way in here today and heard our MVP discussion, yeah. and we all had, like, a different top three. I didn't even have Crosby in the top three last week at yeah, this I time. Wanna, I want to ask you about that. Why can't we just give this award to the game's best player who leads the league in goals and is four points back of McDavid, four well, points? Now I think he needs to win. I, okay. it just, it, look, my, my argument all along is that this is such a close race, and there are four or five other guys on the fringe that aren't going to win it, but they're at least making it interesting, that this really should not be de- decided in the voters' minds until April 8th. That's all I'm asking, is that people actually wait till the season's over. That's my my sense of stress. With If Connor McDavid wins, I feel like people gave it to him a month and a half into the season. It keeps changing from week to week, but yeah. if, if we were handing it out right now, I don't know how you don't give it to Sidney Crosby. He's better defensively than McDavid. He's better in the faceoff circle. He's got 15 more goals. He's played six less games, and he almost has as many points. And if the argument is, well, McDavid's team would be worse, then you had to give it to Jamie Benn over Patrick Kane last year. Right. And you had to give it to that's, that's Claude Giroux over Crosby two year, or three years ago. It's a floating definition, and that yeah. bothers me. Now, if you, if you want to just go by... As, as I said in my story, player judged most valuable to his team, there's a really strong argument for Connor McDavid. That's the best argument, in my opinion. Plus, you, you look at the, the amount of offense that he has factored in for that team, and as you just said, sometimes it feels like you're watching a two-man team. Yeah. He's critical to their success, and there's no doubt about that. But if you go the other route, which people often do, and just are looking at the best player, looking at stats... As I pointed out in the story on Sunday, it's 27th in the NHL in goals. And if, when you start digging deeper, now I think he's on track for 29 goals. But no Ford has won the Hart Trophy with less than 29 goals since Bobby Clark did it in 1975. And in the 06 era, in the original 06 era, the so-called original 06 era, I know some people get really annoyed with that term, the only players to win the Hart Trophy with less than 30 goals in a full NHL season all average better than an assist per game. He's not going to do that. He's not going to average assist a game. So those are pretty compelling numbers when you look at that. He's really low in goals. And I, do, you know, I don't want to place too much emphasis on goal scoring, but to a certain extent, you need, you need to reach a certain total to be considered an MVP Especially candidate in my mind. in a season like this where there's so many other strong candidates. Yeah. So Brent Burns has dropped off a little bit. He but has. Marshawn yeah. has come up, and I think you can make the same case if Boston even makes the playoffs. I mean, he has been, what is it, since late December, he's been the top point producer in the NHL, and it's not even really close, Brad Marshawn has. So if you want to make that argument with McDavid, you need to consider Marshawn a lot, uh, a lot more closely. 
I just I think you go down a very dangerous path when you when you say that the MVP can only be on a fringe playoff team. I mean, that's basically what you're saying. Like, then how does Ovechkin ever win? Yeah, Washington and, and I made that point as well. It's not it's not fair to Sidney Crosby that he, he plays on a better team than Connor McDavid does. You can't do anything about that. And as Jamie said. His line mates are Jake Gensel and Connor Sheary. Yeah, it's not that. like he's skating with Malkin and Kessel, and Gensel's hurt now. I just and, and let's talk about how Crosby has turned Connor Sheary into a point per game player. Yeah, and Gensel for yeah. a while. I, I mean, just I don't know. To me, it's remarkable. To me, if if in the case for McDavid, you have to have one other part. Either it's the goal scoring, or you're elite defensively. You have to have one other part to the equation when there point. are so many other close candidates. If he played like Jonathan Taves and had the exact same points, he's clearly the MVP, and we're done here. Yeah. If he scored goals like Stamkos and had this many points, he's clearly the MVP here. But he doesn't do that that other element where Crosby does a little bit of it all. Oh, yeah, and he's still the game's best player. But that's It's basically a three-pronged attack now. Like, in, in weeks past, I could... I was making the case for Brent Burns, and like I said, he's dropped off. And then, I'm not even sure he's going to win the Norris now. Yeah. Seriously, he's only four points ahead of Carlson. Well, we can get into that in a second, but... Uh, but you know, it's the 867th year in a row, Victor Hedman is in the conversation but won't win. Well, he's 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 like chronically the third or fourth best defenseman he, every single season. Yeah, if you yeah. talk to people though about his play earlier this season, he struggled for a yeah. good chunk of this season. Early. So, yeah, it's another reason I can't believe Tampa Bay is not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, but, but now that that we can sort of boil this race down to just Crosby versus McDavid, at least this week. Who you're, knows how you're much You're throwing out Brad Marchand? Well, I think Marchand would be would be third on my list right now because he's kind of trailed Marchand. off lately. Marchand. Um, there's a narrative there, too. Like well, there's, there's, there's a lot to And he's a wing. And he's a wing. Yeah. But he'd still be third on my list. I know some people don't think that that matters. It does. It, it matters. It's, it's, center's a harder position to play in the it NHL. Is. It simply is. To be fair, he was number one on my list a week ago. But since then, Crosby had a hat trick. He had a ridiculous one-handed backhand goal with no defense in front of him. I just... Are we agreed that Patrick Kane's simply not winning because he won last year? Yeah, well... I've already eliminated. He's tied um, with Brad Marchand for, he, for points. I, just, I don't... It, it's going to hurt his case. I, I, he wouldn't be in my top three right now anyway. No, Craig, he plays on a good team, so he can't win any awards. That's right. That's right. Um, if they, you know how Jamie just said, if you, if you don't have the goals... You need to be a better defensive player. Anders Lee has more goals than Connor McDavid. Michael Grabner has more goals than Connor McDavid. And if you give McDavid the award this year simply because Edmonton's bad, then aren't you sort of setting the precedent that after about two years from now, McDavid can never win the award again because Edmonton's bad? No, because they'll change the definition next year. Oh, okay. It was a different definition last year. It's true. I'd be perfectly fine with it if it was 25, 75, 100. It's a whole different different ballgame at that point. But it's not. It's going to be 25... 63. And I don't think it's done. I mean, if McDavid right. goes on a run here in the last three weeks, then that can certainly change my mind. My my point all along is that it wasn't done in December. Now, you should never give anybody the award two months into the season. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you agree? I'm cool with you on that. We're waiting for the segue. Well, then let's yeah. go to the Norris Trophy here, since I know Craig secretly wants to talk about Eric Carlson winning another Norris. No. Well, no, it's really not to. my concern with Eric Carlson. I have much deeper concerns that are pretty public now. <laughs> but he's only four points behind Brent Burns. Brent Burns, as, as you mentioned, Jamie, has really tailed off here. Carlson has improved his defensive game. And, all right, I'm going to take some pride in the fact that he admitted to me face-to-face that he has worked on his defensive game, tried to be a better defensive player this year. And he thanked so, you. Just, right, no. I, I sort of just want to thumb my nose at the people that said, oh, it's, it's not true, it's, it's overblown. 
He acknowledged it. He needed to be a better defensive player. I had that conversation with him in the locker room. And he has been. He, he's, he's devoted more attention to it, and yet he's still putting up ridiculous numbers. And by the way, if you want to use that definition of a player being really valuable to his team, yeah, Eric Carlson is vital to the success of the Ottawa Senators, who are somehow still in contention for the division title. I have no idea how. All of these guys that we're talking about, their teams would be significantly worse without them. Even Nicholas Backstrom, who's only three assists behind McDavid, and I think we're the only three people that have said his name this season. If he wasn't on the Capitals, okay, yeah, they'd probably still be a playoff team. They'd probably be where New York is right now as a wild yeah. card. But Ottawa's out of the playoffs. Yes, yeah. Eric I agree. Like, like Edmonton. We agree Boston's out of the playoffs without Brad Marchand, too. Yeah, they're a fringe yes. team anyway. So. Yeah, they might miss the playoffs. And he's a good defensive player, too, by the way. Who's your, who's your third defenseman? Is it Hedman? If you had to pick a number three, is it Hedman? Is it Keith? I'd probably... Well, Hedman started slow. I, I don't... I, having watched a lot of Duncan Keith, I wouldn't put him in my top three this year, actually. It, I think he's played much better of late, like most of the team, but... Is it the suddenly rejuvenated Justin Schultz? Which is a sentence I never thought I would utter in my life. I'm yeah, probably... Does it, does it matter? Still going Edmund, although Shea Weber's going to get consideration, too. But I think, I think he's fallen off big time, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's clearly a two-horse race. Yeah, I, I just think those two are so far ahead of everyone else. It's a matter of whether Burns can heat up again over the final, whatever, ten games they have left, nine games left. He's, it was like a foregone conclusion at one point that he was going to get to 30 goals, and now I'm not sure he is. I think ultimately... Well, when do you vote? You vote while the season's still going, right? Or like yeah. right at the end of the season. Yeah, well, the ballots come out on April 6th. I think ultimately people are going to look back before the award show, so in mid-June or whatever, and think, okay, now we've had a month or two to digest this. Brent Burns should win the Norris. But if people are voting in three weeks and he closes the season on a down note, then maybe uh, maybe it's not as much of a given as, as we as everybody anticipated. What about the Vesna real quick, and then we can, we can get off the to, to answer your question before we get off it, I, I think Victor Hedman's still my guy. I'm, I'm, you know, I mentioned the dark horse candidate, and he's not really, he was my biggest stretch of all those dark horse candidates. Dougie Hamilton's having a terrific season really with is. Calgary. He's not being put in all situations yet, mostly because he's 23, but he will be, in, if not next season, the season after that. So that'll get his minutes up. He'll be in all those situations. His points are top 10 among defensemen in the league now, so... That's a guy to watch. It feels like Dougie Hamilton's been in the NHL for like 10 years. It, it does. And he's 23. Well, it's, it's a little bit like the, uh, the vodka effect where you're up so young that it feels like you're still young and it feels like you've already been in the league forever. Boy, the Coyotes could use somebody like Dougie Hamilton, couldn't they? Unlike, unlike Mikhail Vodka, however, Dougie Hamilton's curve is moving upward. Yeah. yeah. Dougie Hamilton for uh, Dylan Strome? Yeah. yeah. Somebody wanted to do that, I think. Borofsky? Is Bobrovsky winning the uh, Vesna this year, or are we still on the Devin Dubnik train? No, I, I, well, again, let's let's see how they finish. But Devin Dubnik has, up until that, even that last game, he he hasn't played well. He hasn't no, played well down the stretch. Can I just reiterate? He only faced twenty one shots in that so win over San Jose. Right off here and there. Okay. Ever. Yeah, I mean, it's not like but the playoffs he, okay, and and I get that argument, but there are other goalies who play that sort of workload and they manage it. So if you're going to be that guy, that Vezina guy, shouldn't you be able to manage that workload as That's well? Fair. Frederick Anderson has played more games than uh, Devin Dubnik right now. How crazy is that? I, I don't – I said this last week, and they did nothing to change my, my thought process. I don't even 
think of Minnesota as a team in the West? Are they going to turn this around at all, or are they just completely relying on Devin Dubnik to start carrying well, they them? They did just beat San Jose, so maybe that's a sign, and they have that ridiculously easy finish in April where they could just rack yeah, up points against to. bad teams. They not, could still catch Chicago not, here. It's not, it's not out of question yet. It's not even the points. They just, I think that team needs to get some sort of positive momentum heading into the playoffs. Look, I mean, points-wise, what are they? They're six back in Chicago, but chances are... One the game in hand, too. Yeah, so. but ultimately, you're playing for the right to face either St. Louis or Nashville in the first round, and those two teams are tied right now anyway, so... <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, I mean, I, you want home ice, I guess, if you, if you meet in the second round. Yeah. But I think they just need to win games again. Yeah, I think they, they definitely need some sort of momentum, but I, I do think the schedule is going to provide that for them in April. It, it better. I mean, if they're losing yeah. to Carolina, Colorado, and Arizona, they're in trouble heading into the postseason. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't back your way into the playoffs and then expect to have any Not success. Not have no history. Who's your Vezina? Right now, I, I might vote for Bobrovsky, and he was my dark horse candidate at the time because all the talk has been about Dubnyk. Of course, Braden Holpe and Carey Price are always in that conversation. But Yeah, probably Bobrovsky followed by Holpe and Dubnyk. But oh, so my you, have, top three. you have Dubnik third. Yeah, I'd probably still go. I'd go Bobrovsky and then Dubnik and then Holby at this point. Bobrovsky's won it before. There's not a whole lot of repeat. Uh, hasn't he won it or is he just close? Yeah, he did. Yeah, win he it. did win it. He won it in the, the uh, lockout shortened season. When when uh, what was the high point for Dubnik's save percentage? It was over 940 at one yeah, point where we were talking about him so setting 41, and we were so he's dropped considerably yeah. since then. Yeah, Bobrovsky has the better save percentage of the two, the better goals against average of the two. He's got the best numbers among starters. Do the, uh, do the Blue Jackets have to uh, protect Corpusalo? I have if, not looked at that. If they I feel like do, that would have been a story. Then I feel like this is an interesting situation. There's, there's no way that, that we would have gotten to that I'll point. To, I'll look it up as, as I talk, apparently. No, I can't do both things at the same time. Let's, since we were talking about the Blackhawks, Craig, I'm going to let you go off on the offsides oh. issue. Or offside, rather. Well, issue. you guys saw it, too. Well, they got it right at least, what, two nights ago. Yeah. The Blackhawks <laughs> the next towing, game out. towing the line of, of offside every game. Yeah, just the, the, the play we're talking about came against Colorado. Colorado was up 3-1 in the third period. Jonathan Taves was offside by a good foot. It was so obvious. And they allowed the goal. They allowed the goal. Nonetheless, Hawks cut it to 3-2, ended up winning that game 6-3 because it's Colorado, so you can give up five three-period goals somehow if you're the Colorado Avalanche. It's just brutal. I, I don't get it. And like we said, they got it right the next time. They, the Blackhawks still came back and forced overtime in that game and got a point somehow. But how do you miss it? I, it's so apparent to the naked eye. How are they viewing this? How is it possible that you can get it so wrong when, when the outcome is so obvious? It's, this is how bad it was, okay? I hadn't seen it live because I was watching the Coyotes game. Uh, I think natural hat trick listeners will appreciate what I'm saying here. Craig is one of the most tolerable Blackhawks fans because he's one of the most neutral Blackhawks fans that I know. There's a lot of Blackhawks fans that assume anything that their team does is always right. They all thought that was horribly missed on the ice. That's how bad of a call it was. It's terrible. It's, and, it's so obvious. In the there's moment, like this much white. People can't see me this. But there's a foot of white in front of Jonathan Taves' skate. Yeah, he's not even close to the blue line. And again, in the moments, if you just have to do it, bang, bang, play, there's no review or whatever, okay, people are going to miss calls. But when you have the review, what's the point of having the review if you're still going to get it wrong? Anyway, they're not getting rid of the review, are they? That, that's something nope. they're going to keep. There's a lot of people that hate that right now, and that was before that play. Just improve the technology. If that's what you're telling me is the issue, how, I, I don't know how that was inconclusive, but if it was, then 
wow, you really need to improve your technology to make sure that calls like that don't get missed because that was egregious. And, you know, if, if this had been a situation where Colorado was battling for a playoff spot, yeah. imagine how important that point would have been to him. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, Corpus Two can be taken in the expansion draft. Ooh. Really? See, I thought he was on an entry-level deal, so he didn't have to be yeah, protected. That, that ends at the oh. end of this year. Okay. Mm-hmm. But either way, the bottom line is Bobrovsky can be protected. Correct. So, okay, I, I, the way you said it, I thought... No, no, I meant like, no, because they were going to, but that's going to expose one of their okay. younger goalies. Yeah, yeah, so that could be... There's there's going to be some good goaltenders available, even if Pittsburgh figures out how to keep... Murray, Corby Salo, 20, 2017 Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Scott Darling will be a free agent. I mean, he'll be available. Phil I'm curious how that's going to play out. I mean, you, I, I could almost see them, like, taking extra goalies and then trading them. Why not? Yeah, if you've got if, if that's where back to the teams. if that's where the talent is, right? Go ahead and claim several of them, and then swing a couple trades. We've looked at this. There's a couple sites that you can use to sort of simulate which players will be available, and then you can do the draft as the Vegas team. Mm-hmm. I, I know there was all this talk last summer about how Vegas is going to have this amazing team because they're going to get everybody's. There's some people still saying it. They they're going to have some work to do. They're going to they're going to have a lot of team's third-line players. They're yes. not going to have any stars. Yeah, that, that, that's the thing. They're they might be strong good. in goal, but that's about it. Yeah, now, I, was talking to, I was just talking to Doug Armstrong about this, and he was saying, right. yeah, the NHL's done a good job of ensuring that Vegas is going to be competitive because you don't want a team coming in that's not competitive. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't even think I used that quote in my Q&A because I'm just like, yeah, no, that's wrong. That's, that's not even close to reality. They're not going to be good. They're going to be awful. I mean, I could see them not being the worst team, but they're not going to be. They're not going to win most nights. How's that? Not going to be the worst team. Well, the Colorado Avalanche are still there, and they're going to trade Matt Duchesne, so maybe they won't be the worst team. If you, if you were Vegas, would you trade for Matt Duchesne? That's the thing. Vegas is going to need to come in and make some sort of splash for a star player, or they're going to have to grab somebody in free agency because they're just. Think about it. I mean, they're not going to have any. They're going to have a bunch of third line players and second pairing defensemen, and potentially some good young goaltending. But they're not going to have any goal scorers because goal scorers, there's already not enough to go around. Right. So just be aware of it. This is just year one or year two, but just be aware that it's not like Vegas is coming in and making a push to the conference finals next year. So I think there was this narrative that they were going to be like Team Europe was in the World Cup, where it was <laughs> going to be this like ragtag bunch of players, but they were going to be talented, so they were going to make a run. That's it's not happening next year. You talked to Doug Armstrong and didn't just bring up Kevin Shattenkirk every I, other minute? I did bring up Kevin Shattenkirk. You know, okay. some, some people read my copy. Wow. Jamie read it. So. I did. I, I only read it when it In fact, I think Kevin I Shattenkirk was in the headline, but that's okay. Yeah, the first two or three questions were about Kevin Shattenkirk, too. <laughs> to be fair, I walked by you when you were talking to him about Kevin Shattenkirk. I'm just stunned that every word that came out of your mouth wasn't Kevin or Shattenkirk. You know, the, the thing that was most startling to me, this because we had heard that you know, they tried really hard in the summer to deal with him and I, to, to deal him. And, and I thought, okay, if that's the case, if you really turned over all those rocks and tried to move him in the summer and you couldn't do it when you had all the teams in play and better options, so be it. it he just had too much control. <laughs> but then I asked him that specific question. He goes, I don't know if I'd say we tried really hard in the summer. I was like, okay then, why not? <laughs> why didn't you? Busy, you know, other things to do. Yeah, I mean... Stuff comes up. Sometimes you have to get to the grocery store. You got to do your laundry. You know, Kevin Shattenkirk. Top can't be pairing top right-handed defensemen come and go. Yeah, no big it's deal. Just daily business in the NHL. Anyway, you have no way of segueing out of that, do no, you? So go for it. No, I do. You want to talk about the Blackhawks? I see them in the notes. They are running away with that division now, and they have they're tied for the third best record in hockey. Yeah, with Artem Anisimov sitting out the rest of the season. By the way. Yeah, regular season. Yeah, the regular yeah, season. Regular season. Yeah. 
Sounds like a, an MCL sprain to me. But. Sounds like an apology coming from Craig Morgan. For We're not there yet. I'm not at the point of apologizing. Well, either way, they have the best record in the Western Conference. They do, and, and barring something unforeseen, they're probably going to finish there because San Jose's playing poor hockey. The Minnesota Wilder, I suppose still within shouting distance of them with a game in hand, but haven't played that well themselves. The Blackhawks should win tonight against Dallas. Yeah, You just keep kicking another game off the schedule and you reduce the opportunity. Like I said, Minnesota finishes with a ridiculously easy schedule, so if they go on a crazy run, they could still win this division, but it's looking like the Blackhawks are going to be the number one overall seed, and yeah, they get to rest their second-line center. Is this the best they can play? I don't even know that we've seen their best yet because Anisimov's hurt. I, well, I mean, Maybe but, we they, but he was here, ago. yeah. They, yeah. They were on some kind of tear there for a while with him in the line. I mean, they're still playing pretty well. They're still winning games. They're finding ways to win games when they're a little shorthanded. But, yeah, I, I think that, that period that we saw just a few weeks ago might be the, the goal. That's, that's what... Remember when Joel Quenville was saying that he was starting to see the possession numbers improving? He liked how it was trending. I think it was when they were here, actually. He talked yeah. about that. He liked where things were trending, and then they hit that run where they were just ridiculous from February 1st on. That's probably what they're thinking. Now, you, you know him, too. He's going to start tinkering with things. He's going to rest players. Marion Hosa didn't play the other night. Oh, it was a lower body injury. It was, as they call it in Chicago, he took a Hosa. Oh, he just no. took a game off so that you could rest a guy that you're going to need in the playoffs. So he's going Greg Popovich on Well, us? that's probably what's going to happen. Smart. He's going he's to manage the schedule the rest of the way. I don't know how important it is to him to win the division, get the number one overall seed. You know, that, I, I, I'm one of those people that only believes that's important in a game seven. And this team certainly knows how to win on the road. They've, they went on a ridiculous tear on the road, and they've done it in, in past playoff seasons. So I think more than anything, he's just going to manage the roster and manage the schedule and make sure that his team is ready to, form, to perform as close to peak performance as they can when they hit the postseason. Yeah, look, I mean... It's it's going to be tough to uh, to pick against them the way they're going. They're definitely they're doing what they do. They're trending up in the right direction and, and all that. But if you if you look at, I don't know. I just I don't know that we've seen their absolute best yet, and that's got to be concerning for every other team in the West. We and do know what they do in the playoffs as series progress, especially with San Jose. Uh, kind I don't. Of taking how are you feeling? You you're the San Jose guy that still thinks yeah, that they're I, the team. Well, but now that I'm not even sure they're going to win the division. Anaheim's no. two points back from catching them right now. And yeah. I mean, it's four points back. <sighs> I finally figured out how Anaheim's still winning games. They win every faceoff. That's how That's Anaheim's true. winning yeah, these with, games. With, with Kessler and Getzloff and, and Vermette. Vermette, yeah. yeah. I'm not shocked. But, uh, it is interesting what's happening in that division. Like, everything's in play now again. I, I, Even Calgary. You know, I think what it didn't account for this whole time was, again, assuming Minnesota doesn't find its groove again, is that everybody in that conference sucks. <laughs> I, you should have accounted for that because I said that. Suck is a strong word for a but, team that's but, 11 games over 500, even if you throw the OT losses in. But still, like I, I'm looking at this right now, and I said, yeah, if San Jose gets it back on track, and again, I, I'm not giving up on Minnesota. I know they haven't beat the Blackhawks this year. I, I, I don't really care that much about that. But if, if Minnesota and San Jose hit the postseason and they back in, I don't think I'm going to pick any team other than the Blackhawks to win because I don't think any other team has the talent to beat the Blackhawks. And if the two teams with the most talent to do it can't get it together, I would be, I'd be concerned. I'd be concerned about the, the wig Quick might have to wear. Yeah. yeah. Jamie got off scot-free because he, he disagreed with me too and he didn't even have to wear a wig. I'm, I'm now that we... I'm changing the subject. <laughs> 
now that we have eight teams, we know the eight teams in the West. We're all in agreement on that. Yeah, and LA's eight points back. There's no way talking, they're coming I back. Put together the matchup. So go ahead. Okay. Well, that's good. Which which team do you think is the weakest right now in the Western Conference? Which which team would you like to play in the first round the most? It's, this is a close one. Uh, St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis is playing well for Nashville. St. Louis is playing well. I don't. I, I think that's the least talented team that's in that. No, okay. raw talent. It doesn't mean as a team and a unit and their style that they can't get something done, but I just think it's the least talented team slightly over Nashville. See, they, that's, that's such an easy schedule, too, St. Louis. That, to me, is two different questions. If you're asking me who is, who is the worst team that's going to make the playoffs in the West, I would say probably Nashville. If you're asking me who I'd like to play in the first round, I wouldn't mind playing Minnesota right now. It's just too much talent. The way they're playing. (laughs) I don't want to pick my poison with a team that has a Vesna candidate goalie and like eight centers. Well, here's what the matchups are right now in the Western Conference. This is based on points per game since the schedule was a little unbalanced earlier this year. It's pretty even now, but it's Chicago, Nashville, Minnesota, St. Louis, San Jose, Calgary, Anaheim, Edmonton. All of those series to me are compelling except Chicago, Nashville because we've seen it before. I like, no, I think Chicago, Nashville is more compelling than you're giving it credit for. Okay. It's the least compelling of those four. No, Minnesota-St. Louis is the least compelling. And I love Minnesota, but that game is NyQuil. But don't you, <laughs> you, you don't think St. Louis could win that series? No. Okay. I don't, th- I just, I don't, I don't like any of that. It's Tarasenko and nobody's. Well, it's Tarasenko and goaltending now, though, which they weren't getting earlier yeah, in the season. But I don't know. I, I don't have a – I have the notorious hate, I guess, for St. Louis, but just I don't – I'm not excited by that team. If I'm the Blackhawks, I'd rather play, play Calgary than Nashville in the first round. Really? Yep. Inexperience? Inexperience. I, I mean, Nashville, still like Nashville's blue line. and I like Nashville. I'm afraid that Nashville can't win on the road. Like, that would be my big concern if I'm they have the been Nashville brutal on the road. I, I probably would also <clears throat> pick Minnesota in that series against St. Louis, but I, it's worth pointing out the Blues have won eight of their last nine. Yeah. I mean, they, they are have a, making it work. They have a very easy schedule the rest of the season, so they're, they're probably going to climb. I'm, I'm seeing, I, I think that's the matchup we're going to see in Minnesota-St. Yeah. Louis. And the Blackhawks will face either Nashville or Calgary. Those teams play each other, by the way, tonight in Nashville, so that could go a long way. If Nashville can win that, they're one point back of Calgary with a game in hand. Anaheim-Edmonton would be a really fun series, I think. It's, they want the Battle of Alberta. It's just, yeah, uh, no, I get what you're saying. Ed, Edmonton-Calgary would be the best possible Pacific Division matchup, probably the best possible Western Conference first-round matchup. But Anaheim-Edmonton is such a, a contrast in styles, and I think Edmonton would win the series. Hmm. But Anaheim's been there before, and they're just they're more experienced. They're, they're a better team right now, but we get to see McDavid just skate circles around that team. That would be... A, and they just played last night, and Anaheim won. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be a fun series to me. Yeah. I mean, the positive is is they'll win the faceoff, and then McDavid will be 45 <laughs> seconds into a shift before he sees the puck again. That's true, but it only takes him three seconds to score. Were they matching him? Like, I didn't watch the game. Were they matching him up against Kessler? Was that, I would assume I would they assume. would. Okay. I, I mean, I, I, I would assume that's what they did. That's over, what I would do. Over in the East. Yeah. They didn't call me to ask, I would just, but I, I, I'd I just would tell assume. Kessler, look, you're... This is your job. I don't, I don't care about offense. Kessler can really skate with Just him. stay with... Yes, yeah, not quite. I mean, stay not on him like him, glue. Just stay with him, pester yeah. him, annoy him. Which Kessler can do. Yes, he yeah. can. He's and I mean, look, Kessler knows all the angles and everything. Jamie's right; he can't keep up with McDavid, but he can kind of keep up with McDavid because he, he knows he, where he to can put himself. Keep within a sticks line. Uh, in the Eastern Conference right now, it would be Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, Columbus, Montreal, New York Rangers, uh, and Ottawa, Toronto, which is sort of an underrated 
fun series just because they hate each other so much. I love the best part about the Canadian teams in the playoffs, and it looks like we're going to get five this year, is there's sort of that narrative from Canada during the season of we want as many Canadian teams in the playoffs. It's great for our country. Then they get in the playoffs, and they all hate each other. <laughs> yeah. And it makes yeah. for just the best hate ride. Remember Montreal-Ottawa a couple of years ago? I, I thought that the police were going to be called. Remember Montreal-Boston during the regular season, the police yeah. were called. Yeah. For, for that, that Chara hit. Yeah. Poor Patches. Yeah. Well, he's recovered pretty well. Any of those uh, series in the East stand out to you? Montreal, New York is the one that's kind of like in yeah, you for just, me. Well, I, just, I wonder what's going to happen in that series. I'm, that's a toss-up for me. A lot of two-to-one games is what's going to happen in that yeah. series. You'd think. I think I would take Toronto over Ottawa in the seven-game series. And then all of a sudden, we might have Toronto in the second round of the playoffs. Boy, poor Columbus if they have to play the defending champs in the first round. After well, this marvelous season they put together. Whoever... But then don't go and lose at home to Toronto. That was like a playoff game last night. It literally, it felt like a playoff game. Whoever ends up second and third in the Metro, I don't know how you I win the cup. Fool. Yeah. How, how do you win the cup if you're any of those teams? Because you're going to have to go your through the other brutal. two. Yeah. yeah, your path is brutal. Side note, too, on Columbus. We I all, like the Blackhawks. Do you? Yeah. Might have a nice path. Yeah, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. Seriously, if San Jose loses... Somehow loses this division, blows this, and, and bows out early in the playoffs. They don't have to lose the division to bow out early. Would you no, be they stunned don't. if Calgary beat them in a best of seven? I'd series? be stunned if Calgary beat yeah. them. Yeah, but Anaheim or yeah, I don't think Edmonton would beat them either. And Anaheim, I could see Anaheim beating them. If you're Columbus and you win the President's Trophy, does that mean more than if you're Washington or Pittsburgh or Chicago and you win the President's Trophy? Just because. Nothing against Columbus, but they've never won anything Yeah, it's, a, it's just a nice feather in your cap. It's just one of those signs of progress, crazy progress from where they were last season. But, yeah, I think, I think that means something. Kind of rather win the wild card, though. If you're Columbus? Yes. Yeah, you, to play the Canadians? or Play the Canadians and play one of Ottawa or Toronto? You're be- having to play Pittsburgh and Washington? <laughs> you, are, you are better off being fourth place in the Metro and then first place in the Metro, just not second or third in the Metro. No matter who you are, that goes for Washington, too. I mean, if Columbus wins tonight, we are currently looking at a Pittsburgh-Washington first-round matchup. That's insanity. That's just insanity. They're never going to change the playoff format back to the way it should be, but if any series is ever going to get them to say, wait a second, why are these two teams playing in the first round? It's Pittsburgh-Washington with the seasons they've both had. It's not like one of those teams is underachieved. They might be the two best teams in hockey, and they're going to play in the first round. You're saying if Columbus wins tonight and Pittsburgh loses in Ottawa? Yeah, because Columbus yeah. is playing Washington yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I love having these races, though, go down to the wire. There's yeah. so much still in doubt, and that's pretty cool. Other than, like we said, the, I think the cutoffs for the playoffs are almost decided, but within the divisions, it's, it's still fascinating what's happening. Do we? Uh, I, f- I feel like we at least have to talk about this because I brought it up on Twitter and was hammered by people for it. The, uh, I think Jamie saw it. I don't know if Craig even follows me on Twitter. But the, uh, the thought that if you just had a tournament for teams that weren't in the playoffs to get the first pick in the draft. And then the Shane Doan. It's not really Shane Doan's theory, but Shane Doan brought it up this week. If you started, what did, Can you explain Shane Doan's thought on this? No. You, <laughs> you can't because you won't or because you don't I'm not. I'm not entirely clear on it. I haven't actually asked him about it. I think Shane Doan's theory on this is the second you are eliminated from playoff contention, 
from that point on, you basically have another category in the standings of every point you've accumulated from the day you're eliminated in playoff contention. Whoever has the most points then gets the first pick. Because, like, Colorado this year has been out of it officially for two weeks. So it just it incentivizes teams to not try to lose games at the end of the year. That was the whole point. And when I threw out the idea of just have a single elimination tournament of all the teams that missed the playoffs and the winner gets the first pick, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek because obviously the Players Association isn't going to go for teams playing additional games that don't mean anything in the standings. Right. You have to pay them. Yeah. But at the same time, if I'm a player, I would rather play the additional two games than be on Buffalo two years ago and basically be told you need to lose the next 20 games that you have to go out there and play. Yeah, but what if you're, like, you're a pending free agent and don't care? No, no, it would never happen. That's, that's true. It would never happen. But I think there's something to the notion that they need a better way to award the top pick in the draft. Probably, because you do have, you always have tanking concerns, and, and we've seen some examples of it over the, uh-oh. You said you got in trouble with Buffalo fans on Twitter, huh, over this? There, there was a few. I mean, there was a lot of people that actually loved the Cause idea. Because you, you said they... They definitely tanked that season. No, I didn't even bring up Buffalo. Okay, I'll say it. Tanked that season. (laughs) Yeah. That's the only definitive example I can think of in the NHL. In the the NHL, yeah. The NBA, though. Or or the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. Well, the NBA, I feel like 15 teams a year are tanking. Mm. I just don't want the NHL to get to that point. It is. It really is. I I think that that's the laziest viewpoint to take and we hear now more and more from fans that have bought into it of just well you need to lose as many games as possible once you're out of it like okay well that, that doesn't ever work like your team doesn't get better doing that sometimes it works it worked for toronto yeah that's the only time edmonton didn't even have the worst record when they got mcdavid yeah so and with right. the nba i let's work i don't players. even get it is there is there a franchise player in the draft is there uh, a is there i mean the point guards three? are was it ball Fultz and Josh Ray. Jackson. Yeah, no, he's not that three. Are they like LeBron, no. Steph Curry caliber no. players? Okay, I, then you're not winning an NBA title even if you get them. Telling, so the most Markel telling, Fultz's team has a losing record in college. The most, well, like Simmons. Uh, but like the, the most telling thing I think was somebody was on Twitter and said he had, he thought the draft was about nine deep. Nine. The NBA. Yes. Yes. Nine deep. So, so why do you need the first? Why pick? bother? Just have them all be free agents. Why bother? Nine. (laughs) Jamie's just going to keep saying nine over and over again. Nine times, Mrs. Bueller. All right, do we have anything else? My notes for the show are now completely out of order. Anything else you guys want to hit before we wrap up? You had mentioned Drew Doughty calling Matthew Kachuk a dirty player. I don't don't know where you're going with that, but, you know, if you want to alienate another fan base, go. No, I have no problem with either of those fan bases or teams, but it's not often that you hear somebody flat out call a rookie a dirty player. And Drew Doughty said exactly. Quote, he's a dirty player. He's kind of a dirty player. Definitely plays with an edge. Look, I feel like if nobody else is going to bring up Crosby on Ryan O'Reilly, somebody... Oh, wow. Where did that come from? Oh, wow. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, there's no defense of it. I I mean, there really is. Well, I mean, there's fairly thick piece of plastic to defend you against that, but it, it doesn't work very well. These are the two things I will say about that. It happens a lot more in the NHL than you would think. Mm-hmm. It's not as bad as getting hit by a slap shot there or getting drilled in the head like Jake Gensel did earlier in that game by Rasmus Ristolainen. And when I first saw it, I thought it was Ristolainen that Crosby hit, and then you can kind of be like, okay, there's a reason for it. I don't know why he went after Ryan O'Reilly. It's not really defensible. No. 
that's it. Okay. I, I don't know where to go with that because I, I, I don't really you, want to talk about it. I, I figured you guys would bring it up. I've had that experience, show. and it's not a pleasant one, and let's leave it at that. Yeah. It happens in the NFL, too, by the way. It happens yeah. in scrums all the time. Piles after tackles. The stuff that happens under the pile is insane. You know who used to tell great stories about that is Deuce Latouille when he played for the Cardinals. Really? And he was, one, he was one of those guys who would get all his shots in under the pile. Well, it happens in hockey a lot right in front of the net or right along the boards. But it's not usually so obvious as that. And yeah. you just, I mean, if you're Sidney Crosby, you got to know you're, you get scrutinized for scoring goals. You got to know that that's not, because that's the same night he had that goal that they're saying is the goal of the year, which I don't necessarily agree with, but it was pretty sick. It's pretty sweet. Well, in the meantime, Roman Polak got suspended two games, and Rasmus was the line in three games for the hit on Gunsel. Yeah, another injured penguin. That's great. Yeah, Polak got. It's that time of year. All the penguins start to. Well, start dropping like flies. <laughs> I mean. Rasmus Ristolainen basically took a parachute into the arena just to hit Gensel in the head on that one. But the Pollock one is from the game against Columbus last night, so they moved pretty swiftly on that suspension. All right, anything else before we wrap up here, gentlemen? I think we're good. No, I think we're good before can't, we insult another fan base. Can't look at Craig's shirt anymore. I need sunglasses it's, for it's not, it's not bright. No. It's really not bright. It's not bright at all. It's, I'd, it's, I'd argue it's that Jamie's mauve is brighter than my blue. That's absolutely okay. incorrect. No, you just, I think you're, that's, I mean, that's closer I think to you're influenced by the gray. Yeah. I think the gray is throwing you off. If he had white and mauve, you'd say, wow, look at that bright shirt. I would say, look at that white and mauve shirt. <laughs> That's what I would say. That too. All right. For, uh, for Craig Morgan and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to episode 77 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast.